Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the Larkcast. Um, welcome, welcome to this ongoing conversation of the reality of our freedom in Jesus. Um, you might find these kind of conversations here and there. They're scarce, but I'm gonna tell you right now, you ain't gonna find it being had by two dudes as cool as myself and. This other cat I got on here today. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> What's up, fool? What's up, dog? <laughs> couple of couple of dudes just being bros. <laughs> couple of dads just trying to hang on to the golden years. You know, oh, man, that's funny. You can you can find some good news out there, but it's all like you know, dudes with you know. Lutherans with blazers on and and Episcopals with you know Oxford shirts and pleated khakis and Sperry's on. I mean, dude, look yeah. at that shirt. Look at that shirt you got on, bro. Come on, man. Like you're like Jimmy you're freaking... Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett back from the grave. <laughs> dude, no, that's a that's a straight up Magnum PI shirt right there, man. Yeah, man. Just doing doing my best here, dude. Doing the I, Lord's I'm just work. Go ahead and. Just gonna go ahead and say this because folks, just so you know, we're about to get into a serious episode in some passages in Galatians that are like, what the encouraging. Seriously. But what before the we what? go there, really fast. Before no, we go the, there, really what fast. What the what? What the what the hell? What the... <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you were thinking. We um we uh recently did have somebody that was that had said, Man, look at these like couple of ex-pastors up here just trying to be cool man spout out some some nonsense about jesus that's how he referred to our, our podcast i love that and yeah i thought that was just great man i was like dude that's that's encouraging thank you that's like the that's the back of a lark cast t-shirt design right there it should be we should take like our worst reviews and just like yes. make bumper stickers a hundred percent yeah yeah i thought about that it made me think about that um that time when uh when Donald Miller was speaking about uh things that when you put things out into the world he says you're gonna get haters, in fact if you don't have haters you're actually not saying anything, so just expect it embrace it um and I'm pretty sure it was Jesus who was like yeah they're they're, they're gonna hate you, uh, but he said his most listened to reel he's ever put out before has nothing to do with his brand which is all about building small business, the most hated reel he's ever received a response from was when he talked about the characteristics of a narcissist mm. and he says you know who doesn't like to hear about the characteristics of a narcissist <laughs> he just got like and he just he was filling the blank and so when that dude said that to me um i just found myself going you know who doesn't like to see a couple of cool dudes talking about jesus <laughs> yes <laughs> some dude that yeah, wears no. hey dudes 
I bet that dude had a pair of Hey Dudes on. Guaranteed. Oh, man, you got to be careful with that one. That's like the official shoe of Florida. Okay, case in point. Yeah, it's true. No, opposite. <laughs> no, dude, you don't have Hey Dudes on. I was dying laughing. There's a new movie on Netflix called uh, The Killer that just came out. And he goes down to Florida to hunt down this dude. And he's driving through and he goes, Florida. Where else can you go in the world and find so many like-minded people in one place outside of a penitentiary? <laughs> That's a Fincher movie, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it's intense, man. Yeah, I got to check yeah. it out. Fincher hasn't put out a movie out in a long time. I like him. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a it's got a bunch of crazy reviews. I just stumbled across it. Couldn't sleep coming home from L.A., man, behind on time. So it's like, all right. Oh, you watched it on the flight home from L.A. Dude, really quick, just quickly share about the the trip to L.A. Oh, man, it was incredible. I'll uh, just real fast here. Big shout out to everybody. Just so kind, welcoming, flew into L.A., Jameson and I. Got to hang out with some larks and some new larks. Just people grabbing on to freedom, people kicking the tires of freedom uh, in and around the city, uh, north of the city, up to like Ventura, Ohio, and then even ran down to San Diego, man, to hang out with some peeps down there for for an evening but just again big shout out kyle and sarah uh harrison caleb hosting this man for hanging out with some hollywood screenwriters in pasadena and talking about parables and the you know the arc of story and and you know just you know grayson and manny and alexis you know down in uh in san diego kind of hanging out down there and we even just like randomly got a quick lunch man or actually not a quick lunch but a couple hour long lunch uh just two of us sitting down, man, with Rob Bell, just having a conversation Rob Hell? about. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, what that's what the that's what the crowd, <laughs> one crowd says. It was so funny, man. I, there was people who like reached out to me, like, dude, that's so amazing that you had a lunch with him. Always been, you know, intrigued by what he's seeing and learning about faith today and the world and people he's interacting with, and and um, and then of course other people were like, I can't believe, I can't believe that you met with met with Rob Hell. To which case I'm like, actually, he's a, a, a very kind person and very encouraging. And we had a great lunch. Dude, and I couldn't left, believe uh, in the video. Very thankful. Yeah. And yeah. the video you sent me, I couldn't believe how tall he was. How tall is that dude? Six, four, man. Yeah. It was funny. He's like, where's your wife? And I'm like, well, she couldn't come this and that. And he goes, no, dude, we got to get her out here. Let me see your phone. And he shot Krista a video and was like, please. It was good, Krista. It was great. But you weren't here. So we were lacking. You got to get out here. That's awesome. And, um, but anyways, man, just everybody we met, dude, big shout out to Luke and a house full of people, man, that crew, El Segundo. No, I did not leave my wallet there. Good. Hopefully, you know, the reference, but, um, just had a great time man, with that community, just hungry people leaning in saying there's gotta be more man to the story of Jesus. Mm. And, uh, just again, just big shout out to Luke, man, putting that together. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we are continuing our conversation in Galatians, second half of chapter two. And I got to say, I'm really, really bummed that I was not able to jump in on the last podcast because being justified by the faith of Jesus, not just by faith in Jesus, dude, freaking atomic bomb dropped right on my damn mind and heart with that one, dude. Mm. So freaking good. Yeah, that's uh, 
if you haven't got a chance to listen to it, um, anybody out there, please feel free to back up one episode. Yes. Because I'm with you, Tony. That that one was on par with discovering that the the Sermon on the Mount was not a blueprint for Christian living, but instead it was Jesus intentionally provoking a crisis of capacity for everyone who thinks that law keeping is possible mm-hmm. and somehow needed and pleasing to God. Yeah. And that this is something we've been called into and he's here to help. Yeah. That one was like, what? And then of course yeah. the parables themselves, man, just being stories about what God's like versus principles to follow. Yeah. That passage it, from last week was there with it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, inclusion before exclusion, um, specifically in the judgment parables. And then mm-hmm. that one, because if you, if you think about it, it's like, well, dude, if, if, if the security of myself and Christ is dependent upon this cognitive understanding of the gospel in its entirety. Right. And then this like full, full heart of faith with a zero doubt grabbing onto Jesus and this true saving faith that then goes on to bear fruit in an up and to the right way. If that, if that's really like what the package is, then I'm, I'm effed. Yeah. Because we all are. Dude, my faith is like here, there, everywhere. Sometimes I have it. Sometimes I don't. I've gone through it the last seven years and a number of different things, deconstructing, shifting, changing, questioning, rethinking. And to hear, you know, and we've said it before, like faith is only as good as its object. Yeah. And I think really he's just inviting us just to a simple yes. And it doesn't matter if that's a, if that's a capital Y, lowercase ES, a capital Y, capital E, capital S with five exclamation marks or lowercase YES with an ellipsis afterwards. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's for, to whatever degree we're like, yes, yeah. the mustard seed, grab onto it. Why? Because it's the object. It's the security and the strength of the object itself, not how strong you're grabbing onto that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I know one of the illustrations that we've used a lot is the just seeing faith and understanding it through through the lens of like an iceberg. In in Christianity, what I was trained in and taught for years was like you were just bringing up the importance and the quality of your faith, and it was man, I dude, I want I want to be that person that has like mountains of faith that could just stand on a thin sheet of ice over the Arctic and know that I'll be good, right? if we kind of like pride ourselves on that and what you see in the scriptures is the opposite. It's actually faith, the side of a mustard seed because you're free to stand on an iceberg named Jesus. Mm. He's the object of your faith. Yeah. But dude, what's crazy about that passage earlier in Galatians two, and I could be wrong here. You're the, you're the linguistic here, man. You're the copywriter (laughs) branding. Um, you know, Dude, all I do is use chat GPT these days. So isn't what Paul's saying though, is that what's so crazy about this is it's not just the, that Jesus is the object of our faith that matters, but he's even in that passage, the subject of our faith. Yeah. Think about that. Well, the, uh, the object is someone who fully trusted. Yes. 
and his he trust. the life of faith. His faith is our faith. We're not justified yes. because of the quality of our faith, but because of Jesus's faith Correct. in whom we live and, and have awakened to because of our faith. Mm-hmm. Dude, I mean, you could just preach that the rest of your days. Yes. And be a happy person and watch jaws hit the floor and eyes well up with tears and laughter and drinks break out among Dude, the weary world. Yeah. It just happened yesterday. Um, I was sharing that just with someone on, on my team and, and in relation to parents just wanting, right. Their kids to trust. And mm-hmm. it was just this whole idea of like, dude, if, if this thing is about right, like full blown, 100% cognitive understanding the ability to articulate that back, right. To have like good, solid, orthodox theology about Jesus to understand all the nuances, the ins and outs of the hypostatic union that he's fully God and fully man and the finished work of Jesus and like all this, like yeah. if, if you know what I'm saying, and then to grab onto it, like as your only hope with no doubt, and then to have a faith that continues to bear fruit. If, if like how I was kind of like preaching and teaching and seeing it back when I was like, you know, more in the reformed world, because the reformed world, like they're, they are on a, almost like a dangerous, like precipice of, of saying, they'll say you're justified by faith, but really it's, you're saying you're justified by proven faith. Yes. Yeah. The perseverance in Tulip, <laughs> if you follow yeah. the Calvinist, right? model there the p at the end and tulip stands for perseverance of the saints mm-hmm. which is a reference to the scriptures that's talking about persevering in the faith to persevere in belief yes but it has been turned in my in my belief dude i'm with you a thousand percent it has been turned into perseverance yes Not, i'm sorry it, performance of the saints right so there is an ob- there there is an objective way we've been saved and we've been saved in and through jesus his life, which included his faith, which is what was broken down in, in the last uh, podcast, um, his perfect life, a life of trust, a life of obedience and his yeah. death and his resurrection for ours. And there was so much emphasis on the quality of your faith, our faith, right? And proving yeah. that it's true and genuine. And dude, to come to find out that really I'm justified by the faith of Jesus, I want to cuss and yeah. joy right now <laughs> out of that like dude in the words so of uh, in the words of dennis one of the one of the one of the larks man out in uh out in kansas that we're gonna get to hang with on the tour next year and his crew uh he said one of the best lines and teaching on this it was in an online conversation he says susie here's like this good news like what do you guys think about this what do you think he just goes i want my money back <laughs> <laughs> I've been in church for years. I want my Where money has this back. been? I want yeah, my, my time. money back. Yeah, because I know in other settings, man, like we saw this in California, there is this like, what must I do? What must I do? What must I do? And it's like, believe, believe, walk in him. And you're going to watch him bear all kinds of beautiful fruit in your life that you're going to, and all this adventure of, of, of this journey with Jesus. I mean, amen. But let it just be the adventure of Jesus at work in and through you to you walk in. Yes. And instead it's like, oh no, no, we got to do something. It's like, well, if you got to do something, are you ready? Then that means that Jesus didn't do something. Mm-hmm. So either his faith is weak and it wasn't enough to justify you, or you need to bring something to the table. But if you keep saying you got to bring something to the table, you're denying 
what the scriptures say about who Jesus is and what he did on your behalf. Yep. I would be more cautious of that than the uh, fear of getting my game together. Yep. And, All right, um, man. So let's dive in. Um, well, well, go no. ahead. No, I was just, I was, let me, let me read this really quick. This quote from Benning Manning, because I feel like it connects what we were just talking about to the text and then take us away. A lot of this, I feel like stems out of, and this was with Paul's crowd. It's with our crowd today. But we have this idea that something, something's like something's lost. We got to really bring something to the table. We've got to build something. We've got to become something. It's not just belief in Jesus, right? Who is our Savior? Brandon Manning said this, and I'm a big Brandon Manning fan. Just to be clear, huge fan, huge fan of all that he's taught about grace. But he has this quote that oftentimes we hear in Christianity, and it's. It's this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And I always hear that quote being thrown around, dude, and I've thrown it around as the need for the per- like the performance of the saints. For the need for us to really grab onto that, yeah, we're saved by faith as long as there's works to prove that faith and continue to prove that faith. Oh, and by the way, it's our inability to do this is why a watching world is not grabbing onto Jesus. So now we're guilty of that too. Hmm. And I just was recently in an interaction with someone who brought that up and I said, you know what? I'm learning that the opposite's true. The world doesn't need Christians who've worked really hard to get it together. And are helping everybody else figure out how to get it together. What they actually need is a world that's made up of Christians who recognize that they're equally frail with everyone else. And can be honest about their frailty. And point people to Jesus, who is together, both of us, our Savior, our hope. That's what we actually need. And if you think about it, that kind of ties into the Judaizers who've been following Paul around who are disrupting what he's been teaching and bewitch the Galatians that we're talking about here into thinking that very thing. You're not justified by faith. You actually need to prove it through works. This is it's faith and law. It's Jesus who is our helper that helps us get it together and prove that we're actually good people. That that's what's needed. We got to bring something to the table. We got to become something better in Jesus. We got to build the kingdom. And Paul, like that's who's chasing Paul around and trying to undo his teaching about faith. Because they're they're basically holding the two up and saying, yeah, we did a morality test and a collective ethics test. And uh, this, this justified by faith alone, it doesn't produce the morality that we need for God's glory and to fix the world and convince them all that they need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's faith. Yeah, that gets you started, but it's so that you can keep the law. And become like Jesus. This is what's needed. Yeah. And like what that kind of thinking will do is it will keep you away from people who aren't on that same pursuit. Yes. It will pull you into um, communities that are strictly about like pursuing, right? This sort of 
a, a level of holiness, a life mm -hmm. of sanctification. Your life will then become immersed. Your conversations will become immersed in in and among people who who think that we are justified by proven faith or even more blatantly works. And then you're going to end up on the opposite side of the street, like the Pharisees in Luke 15, watching him share meals with tax collectors and sinners with your arms folded, eyebrows down saying this man eats with and receives sinners, mm, which is good. exactly where Peter was in Antioch. He was sharing a meal with Gentiles. Most likely he was eating meat, right? Sacrifice to idols or something that was outside of those dietary laws for him as a, a Jewish guy growing up in, in Judaism. And he was actually sharing table fellowship, believing and acting as if they were like welcome to the table freely by yep. Jesus and in Jesus being justified by him, um, his faith. Um, and then the subjective faith that they had grabbing onto this good news in whatever mm. yes that they had at that time. And so that's the backdrop because yeah. like what you're saying uh, we were talking about this pre-show is I think the, one of the most blatant ways that we um, can see uh, this reality of justification by faith, this insanely good news is who it frees us to eat with, welcome and be friends with. And of course I'm saying mm, this good dude, on the, fr on the front end dude. 2024 is right around the corner. It's coming, baby. If you, if you thought 2020 was bad, it's about to get even worse. And there's going to be all these little pitfalls for all of us to fall in. You're going to be you're going to be told like you need to pick sides if you're really serious about Christianity. If you're really serious about all this, you're going to need to pick sides and you're going to be forced to demonize other people. Yep. Which is exactly what Peter was facing. He was yep. sharing table fellowship with other people who had grabbed on to Jesus. We're all welcome to the table. We're all equally foolish, frail, and flawed. The people only who weren't keeping the law. People who weren't keeping the law. People who weren't circumcised. They hadn't gone through the, the freaking primeval first century surgery known as circumcision. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And just wondering if they have enough faith to do it blindfolded. Just acting as if Jesus truly is our gracious host that's invited the world to come and eat and dine and rest in his finished work. He was actually believing that. Yeah. And then his homies from, you know, Jerusalem came down and he started to revert back to this. So I think it's, you know, both what you're saying and like even the context here. Um, okay, here, we'll just dive into the text. He says, we ourselves, Paul's like, we, me and you, Peter, and Barnabas yeah. too. He was swept in up in their um, you know, hypocrisy too. We ourselves were Jews by birth. We were born into this, right? This isn't something we grabbed onto later on. And we're not Gentile sinners. He's grabbing onto the he's using the cultural understanding of how they right. saw Gentiles back then, right? Yet we know, me and you, Peter, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through the faith, right? The faith of Jesus Christ. That's literally the Greek. We found that out last mm -hmm. time. Right? So we also, 
the objective is we're saved and justified by the faith of Jesus. That's the, right. that's the objective. The subjective is we too also, we've believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified uh, by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So we find that objectively we're saved by Jesus, his finished work, his life, his death, his resurrection, which included his faith. Subjectively, we take whatever freaking mustard seed of faith we have and say mm -hmm. yes to him. That's how we, that's the, that the faith allows us to connect to the one who has done the saving work. And then he says this 17, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Hey, Hey, Peter, in this endeavor, this journey that we find ourselves on of being justified in Christ, it led us to these tables. It led mm -hmm. us to these relationships. It led us to these, this community, but now all of a sudden your homeboys show up and you're acting as if this is a sin. Is Christ a servant nope. of sin? <laughs> no, dude, not mm -hmm. at all, but that's exactly what you're acting like. It is exactly what he's acting like. And it's even something that, you know, you can tie into the, to the backdrop of the Judaizers that are following after Paul and bewitching everyone that he's helping to live into freedom. They're coming behind and adding slavery, right? He's inviting them into faith. These people are coming and bringing religion. They're two very different things. And, you know, you can even tie that into Peter, right? That you just brought up Peter as this example, you know, of this, of where this goes. Like in front of our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners. This is off the backdrop of these guys saying, Paul, you, you are flawed. You're frail. We're following everywhere you go in your teaching. And we're finding not only are the people who are grabbing on to justified by faith still have struggles in their lives. We even know that you have struggles in your life. So apparently this doesn't work. It doesn't meet the test of the morality the world needs. Because remember, we're trying to turn atheists into believers and a bunch of well-behaved Christians will totally convince them to admit their death. Right? And grab well, maybe, on Jesus. Maybe the secret of Paul's thorn in his flesh came out. Maybe in a, in a, in a passionate yeah. conversation as he's traveling around, he was just sharing, you know, yeah. dude, Hey, here's the thing. I, I, I postured myself as this person who was perfect according to the law, my whole yep. list, Philippians two. And so he's trying to write the whole Jew Gentile thing is at play and he's trying to convince people of this good news. So Paul's sharing his frailty. And so as they're going around, maybe news got out, dude, maybe the seeker got out. Yeah. And then again, he's, that's true, but you can also, right. He's just pointing to Peter, which he puts on like blast for 2000 years now, you know, as an example, you know, of what happens when you try to mix law with gospel, when you try to bring the law, behavior, morality, ethics, religious rhythms, and disciplines to achieve these things. When you grab onto those things in the name of Christianity, you no longer have Christianity. Right. Morality and ethics are good and beautiful, but they're a separate bucket. It's a different bucket. Yes, that's not Christianity. And so you see Paul basically going like, so, so if, so Peter, your struggle in this, or or in your endeavor to be justified by faith, and now, now clearly you not believing, right, and doing something in contrast to that, or even in my own life, does that mean that Jesus is now a servant of sin because we live in Him, who's our only hope? Is that literally what you guys are thinking? That's what he's saying to the Galatians. 
right in response to this the these Judaizers that have bewitched them? Yeah. Certainly not. Have you lost your mind? Like, okay, first, am I a sinner? Uh, yeah. So is everybody else. Even in Romans seven, Paul plainly says, "I do what I know not to do, and I don't do what I know to do." Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, the law is good and beautiful, but you know. Let's let's face reality here. He's not denying his frailty. He's not rationalizing it. He's not shifting the blame on his parents or or society at large or anything else. He's just owning it. Yes, I'm frail. A spirit of self-reliance runs in me. And out of that, there are moments where I don't believe what is true in Jesus, and I do dumb things that bring harm to me and others. God's not high-fiving those things. He's just saying those things don't define you. That's that's not where our union comes about for any of us. And yeah, so you, yeah. I was just I saying see, so I he, see the I see the phrase um is Christ then the servant of sin. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you're saying that someone can just say yes to Jesus and not Dude, how adopt, many times and not adopt been... any of this stuff that we've been giving our lives to the entire yeah. time, not adopt any of the Right? Mm-hmm. All the laws, ceremonial, dietary, capital L law that came down from Mount Sinai. You're saying you can just keep eating your meat, sacrifice to idols, not be circumcised, continue in the same life, and you're just at this table and an apostle from Jerusalem is just welcoming you. It's Christ the servant because, of sin. Yeah. Because you cling to Jesus as your only hope. That's it. That's all. That's what you're saying. So I guess Jesus must be involved in sin now. Or he's the one that's allowing it. So, you, I mean, how many times have we heard, dude, over the years? So, does this, so what are you saying? Like, we don't have to do anything? Um, well, Jesus said the will of God is that you believe in the Son. Oh, uh, so so you're just saying, like, we can, we, we're just free to go do whatever we want? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you've always been free to go do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You've always been free. At what point in your life are you never not able to just go do whatever you want? In other words, like, you're, yeah, you can go do whatever you want. I, God's not endorsing that or saying you should. You're free to go, as Capen says, you're free to go stick your nose in a meat slicer in a butcher, right? Butcher shop. But um, probably going to hurt like hell. There's not a lot of wisdom in that. <laughs> and so Paul it, flips the script on Peter. He goes, you want to know who yes. the transgressor is? You want to know who yes. the transgressor is truly in this? It's the person who's rebuilding what's already been torn down. Yeah. For if I rebuild, he says, very next verse, 18, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So think about that. All the millions of times we've heard those pushbacks to be able to say, well, what are you recommending? Well, I'm recommending that we, and there you go. Now you've got the Judaizers teaching. Mm -hmm. I'm recommending that you believe in Jesus as your only hope and now spend your life trying to get it together improve that belief yep. or do the things that you should, the, the odds, because this is what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. And Paul's saying, actually, what you just said, what you just said would be you spending your life being a pretender, in which case you're only going to prove your unbelief. Yep. You're telling me I'm being liberal here when it's you who's being liberal with the law. And dragging mm-hmm. it into the realm of the possible. Yep. You're telling you're me lax, I'm being liberal laxing, with grace. You're laxing yes. the law, like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. 
You think I'm the one that's being liberal with grace when it's actually you who's not allowing it to take its full measure. So in your, in your pushback, what you're not seeing Paul saying to them is your desire to bring something to the table. You're actually proving your unbelief in Jesus and what he's done to justify us, yep. to unite himself to us. Because you Bro, guys want to talk act about like, flipping a script, man. Yeah. Because you guys want to act like the law is still in play. Like the law is yeah. still a factor in our yeah. justification in Christ. And then in 19, he says, for the for through the law, I died to the law. The law was actually my pathway to Christ. Before I thought it was my life. Mm. Yep. Before I thought life was found in the law. Knowing the law, having been given the law by birth. And then following through on my obedience to the law. But Paul, after yep. he met the righteousness of Jesus and referred to his whole list of righteousness as horseshit in Philippians 2, after he yep. had that interaction, he goes, actually, the law, through the law, I died to the law so I can actually live to God. Yeah, Life is not I let it have its law. effect. Life is not found in rule keeping. Life is found no. in, in God. Jesus. In Jesus. <laughs> right. So yeah. I can live a life yeah. to him. The law is good. But uh, it, but it's also, as Paul says, it's a death certificate. It's the ministry of death. It drives you to the end of your rope for good reason, because it's there where you see a God who's saying, I never gave you a list of rules to bring about a relationship. Right. I, I created you for relationship. Mm -hmm. I just gave you those so that you could actually see who I am, who you are. That would hopefully lead you to the place of recognizing that it's independence on me that you find freedom, mm -hmm. the very freedom that you were made for, to right. live independence by faith on Jesus, who now is your life. Right. This is the fellowship that you were made for. And, and I, I love that us, because. Go, go ahead. Uh, well, well, I was just, well and to show it. She's <laughs> like, oh, wait, go ahead. Not really. I'll go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Was, Go ahead. No, I was just, um, it reminds me of like Paul in first Corinthians. Uh, I think it's chapter four where he's kind of dealing with a similar crowd and he just makes it known. Like, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the courts think about me. He's like, and I think it's in like verse four. He goes, I don't even care what I think about me. Hmm. Because as you know, as Aldous Huxley, the English philosopher, once wrote, he says, when you take a hard look at humanity, okay, especially in relation to the law, allowing it to do its work, he says, you find that we are the pillars, but also the dynamite. <laughs> I love that. We are simultaneously the beams and the dry rot. Hmm. That's why the law never leads to life. Yes. That's why Paul can look face to face in it and go, dude, I... I need a savior and I have found who I am in Jesus in Jesus alone. So I don't need to care about what you think the courts think, or even what I think about myself. This is not a life of thinking less of myself, right? That, that false human humility that we often hear about. It's, it's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's because of Jesus. I get to think about myself less, right? I've embraced my reality. I am mm -hmm. simultaneously the beam and the dry rot. I yeah, need a to, savior, not a guide. <laughs> right. And to prove this further, 
they're thinking that life and the law is the ascension of the self to conform in thought, in intention and behavior to the law. It's the ascension of the self. It's the, it's the sanctification. It's the growth. It's the rising up. And then the very next verse, he says, listen, this thing is not about the ascension of the self. It's about the descension of God to this earth. And just to prove that it's not about the ascension of the self, when God showed up in the flesh, the crescendo of that was the crucifixion. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer I who thinks I'm alive to the law, ascending, working my way up to better behavior, better thought processes, better intentions, better morality, better holiness. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? I've been crucified with Christ. Is what, what he says. says. I've been crucified yep. with Christ. So I find myself in the crucifixion. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the now the life I now live, I live. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We'll save verse 21 for the end. But what is going on here is in verse 15, we find that we're justified. By the faith of Jesus, objectively, Mm -hmm. subjectively, we grab onto that by whatever gift of faith he's given us, right? Capital Y, yes. Lowercase Y, yes. Whatever, whatever way we're saying yes to this, it does not matter the quality or veracity of our yes, because we're saved by the objective faith of Jesus. And then Paul says later on, this life I now live. Not only was I yep. not justified by by my works, but by the faith of Jesus, the life I'm currently living right now is actually the life of Jesus living himself. He's living his life through me. Right. Yes, that's not in my flesh. I've been crucified. I think that's something we skip over oftentimes, right? In our in our pushbacks, in our but what about all these things that we need to do? Right? That that's the crowd here. We skip over the fact that what you just what you just said i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live there's a you know one way you could think about it man is like there's no more you to condemn there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus the scriptures say well there's no you to condemn that's why you've been crucified with christ but i think what paul's driving home here for the galatians to see because they've been bewitched and I think this is extremely relevant for us today is he's not only saying like, Hey guys, if you've been crucified with Christ, there's no you to condemn, but there's also, there's no you to construct. There's no you to complete. Mm-hmm. And the very thing of your running around trying to build up you, right? Going just back a couple of verses is that's not only you being a pretender. Okay. That's you um that's you proving your unbelief. The construction, the, this this building the kingdom, this uh, becoming like Jesus work that we do, this uh, bringing something to the table, that is proving our unbelief, not our belief. That's a life centered on the flesh. That's centered on what you can see and what you're doing. Paul says, I don't live in the flesh. The life I now live, I live what? By faith in the Son 
who is my life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's in him, right, that we live and move and have our being, as Acts 17 says. If we miss this and start to fall prey to the religion of transformation, you're uh, the only scope that you'll have left is scorekeeping. That's this crowd. And they're completely missing Jesus, completely missing Jesus. And the only community like, you'll in the keep process. are people that are on your same level. And yes. you won't have time for Gentiles who are uncircumcised, who don't nope. have the same level of morality as you do. So you're going to find yourself in a holy huddle with people who think like you, behave like you, or pretend to behave like you, right? <laughs> yep. You're going to have a community of pretension and pretending. Yeah. Or pity. That endless shame and guilt, man, right? That comes with this life of pity. David Zoll says this in a seculosity. Just a, it's just a, a great quote by him, man, that I feel like really speaks to this. He says, for the gospel to retain its power, which is what Paul's been unpacking here, for the gospel to retain its power, you'll either have to edit your testimony or hide the things that contradict your story. Otherwise, You'd have to interpret each regression as evidence of God's absence or his disdain. Both prospects equally terrifying. Pretty soon, you're going to find yourself living in a spiritualized version of the New Yorker cartoon of the man holding his companion's hand, telling her, I can't promise I'll change, but I promise I'll pretend to change. Dude, it's so <laughs> like, true. If if the presence of God, the love of God, the prom the promise and commitment of God to us in Christ equals all times at yep. all times and in all circumstances, constant progression. Yeah. That is, that is exactly the logical yeah. conclusion. What he just, what he just said, which is why Paul says I was crucified with Christ. It's why Jesus told those who wanted to follow him, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, when you die, there's no ambition. People who have gone to the cross and died, people who have been to the modern-day electric chair, which is the equivalent, and died, are not characterized as ambitious afterwards. Yeah, take up your giving up. Take up it's your quitting. Guess. Take yes. up your quitting the project of self. Yes. Jesus is inviting us to give up, not get better. Because to give up is to live in dependence. That is the life of faith on God who says who we are, the one who's united himself to us. And yes, out of that, beautiful things flow. He promises us in Philippians 1, I will complete the work that I began in you. But notice, I, he says, I will complete the work, not you mm -hmm. will complete the work. Yeah. So you're so free to rest as you walk by faith in what so, Jesus is doing in you. Amen. And why does Paul take time? to write on freaking papyrus with a yeah. old ass pen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> back, to this, back to this community that he's so many miles away from. Why does he take time to, why do we jump on here? Arguing right. Till we're red in the yep. face about these realities. Um, because we do not mm -hmm. verse 21 want to nullify the grace of God. I yep. do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness, the righteousness you think that these Gentile believers need to have in order to share a meal with you, need to have, 
if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. There's yeah. there there really is no continuity between what these Judaizers are preaching and Jesus. None. There's no there's none. And that is my fear, bro, is that that is lost. I feel like things have gotten so muddled and so murky that we hear we hear this 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 all of this teaching that's coming out of a of a out of a theology of improvement right as if like improvement transformation was our need and we we go yeah it's not that bad though like there's a bunch of people there and you know i'm saying like we make all these excuses as to why this thing isn't bad or it's it's not as bad as we think or it's not dangerous but it seems like paul's like no no it's actually really 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 dangerous because what you're holding up and pursuing in the name of faith, what you're passing on to your children in the name of faith is actually unbelief. You're missing out on Jesus altogether. Religion is robbing you of the very life that God has given you. You have to remember that, you know, the law of God and the love of God, they, they coexist. Yes, the law is good and it stands true. We're not, we're not diminishing that. But the love that declares you are one with him and has already brought this about is complete. The, the new covenant is, is a one-way love, right? It's, a, it's, it's called a covenant, not a contract. So grace, this grace for flawed and frail people like me and you, that is, that is like gravity. It's our existence. It's the air we breathe. And we have to just trust that there's a God who loves us and is moving in and through us despite our struggles. And it allows us to see other people in that same light. And I feel like that's where we it's where we really flourish, man, is in those friendships with no strings attached, celebrating this indiscriminate and inescapable reality of God's grace over all of us. Hmm. That's that's the invitation here, man. And I think you're spot on, dude. Like there's a reason why Paul is so adamant about this and just He's he's not going to let it go, and isn't and it first, crazy? I'll... Oh, no! I go just ahead. think it's I just think it's crazy, man. Like, what? Like, really? Like, what started the hatred and the arguments and the ultimate crucifixion of the Pharisees with Jesus? Hmm. Was it not that he was just eating with people and declaring forgiveness of sins? Fellowship with sinners and forgiven of sins. Yeah. yeah. Expressed at a table. Yep. Mostly. And just sitting at his feet, just soaking up his teachings. And isn't and it I'll, crazy, dude, that here we are in Galatians and Peter finds himself in the same place. Just a simple meal. Yeah. Yep. Denying reality. He has become delusional and Paul is is working to disillusion him from this myth that uh that he's drowning under man like a weight and it's hindering the people around him it's hindering everybody it's 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 straight up harm man when you when you drag morality or ethics or the disciplines and rhythms of religion to attain those things, when you drag that into Christianity, you lose Christ, which means you lost life.
joy, peace, meaning, purpose, all of it. Well, you haven't lost it in the sense that it's not true, but you certainly have alienated yeah. yourself from it. Yeah, when I say lost, I'm yeah, I'm with you. I just mean lost as in like it's right there under your nose, like like your keys that you can't find. Or you want to feel old, dude. I was on the airplane on my way home from LA and I sat down in my seat and I was on my phone trying to look up a message for my wife and then had a, like a little quick like panic moment and started looking for my phone. I thought I left it. Where I grabbed a bite to eat. You get what I'm saying? Like I'm holding my phone <laughs> wondering, oh crap, where's my phone? So I think that's kind of what it is, is he's, there is, he's swimming in this water of reality named Jesus, but he's lost to the, to the very, like the very joy of it. And so now are others don't nullify the grace of God. If the righteousness that we needed, if who we need to become uh, was ever possible by our doing of anything law, then Jesus died for no purpose. Yeah. So when someone says to you, so does this just mean that we can just go do whatever we want? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying that Jesus doesn't need us to do some things? Like these things aren't like aren't vital to, to being Christians? I think we get to look back and say, well, are you saying to me that we need to nullify the gospel? Yeah, and I'm very much looking forward to um, the conversation in, in Galatians 5, because here in 2, it says Jesus is living his life in and through us and in five he gets to talking to him about like fruit yeah and like just practical righteousness and where that comes from yes. and it really is about a life of dependence waiting watching and eventually walking in what god is doing in your life not something that you're trying to pursue and aim at in advance and it's beautiful all the things that i think we're looking for like that are good of course they're beautiful jesus isn't undoing those things but because we oh. think that our justification and our rightness with God is in our practical rightness, we're like frick, we're like looking for that hit every single day. Yeah, something something to convince ourselves, dude, we're good. We're better than the next person next to us. Yep. I'm better than my neighbor. Good, I'm in. I bore some fruit. That means God's present. That means God. That means God's love. God loves me. Yep. Yeah, it's so important. And I you think fake for all it. of us. You do, dude. You we pretend. all have to look at that. We do. We fake it. We pretend you're spot on, man. We're addicts, right? We're addicts. We're not students. And um, thank God for Jesus' life for mine. Until then, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.